You're listening to Jumping the Wealth Curve with your host, Edward Bow. For most of my life, I've been riding and racing dirt bike motorcycles, so it was natural to say, Jumping the Wealth Curve. I'm jumping something all the time on the dirt bike. When he's not on his bike, Ed is helping families retire successfully as a certified financial planner and five-star wealth manager at Smallwood Wealth Management. There isn't a one-size-fits-all solution for everything, so we're talking about finances and a financial plan. We need to stay flexible. Jumping the Wealth Curve is designed to help answer your retirement questions. And especially in today's world, everything is so stringent and everybody's so... Let's just talk. Now, here's your host, Ed Bow. Good day, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Jumping the Wealth Curve. I really appreciate your time and listening in. Here we are, 2022. Happy New Year to everybody. Starting the new year with, I guess, a COVID surge around the country. I know it affected me and my family. It actually affected the office, too. Kind of ripped through my family of five in a week, and then it ripped through the office. Out of 10 people, we had one person without symptoms. So that's been interesting in a lot of different ways. We had that going on, and after our last podcast, I talked about, we had some action items, and I talked about goal setting. I talked about doing some short-term goals and long-term goals, and I hope you took the chance to do that and just write some things down. There's no right or wrong to this. It's just doing it is the key and just getting used to doing it. So it's a great exercise. I remember when I was a younger man and I had just started working and I wrote down a, a couple of my annual goals on a piece of paper because somebody told me to do it. And sure enough, when I looked at that piece of paper a year later, I think out of the four things I wrote down, I had achieved three. And it wasn't because I was always focused on those goals. It was just your subconscious is a very powerful thing. So if you haven't done it, there's still plenty of time to do it. Setting goals is really important just for the fact that if you don't have any goals set, it's really hard to know where you want to be. Whether we're talking about a financial plan or just you personally, if you don't write down anything, you don't have any goals, it's kind of like a boat without a rudder. How do you steer, you know, how do you steer yourself in the water? How do you navigate? Here's the gem of it all. Just because you wrote down the goal, if you don't get to the goal, it's not the end of the world, okay? But you need to have some sort of target in mind. Listen, if you hit the goal, that's awesome. But it depends how lofty you make your goals. Some people will keep their goals a little you know, realistic. They're not pushing themselves. So everybody's a little different just because if I put a really lofty goal out there and I don't get to it, doesn't mean I didn't move closer to it. We probably could do a whole podcast on this, and that's not my intent today. The point here is write down some short-term goals, one to three-year goals, and maybe put some long-term goals in there, maybe some you know, five to 10-year goals, and keep updating it. Things change. We all change. We're human beings, and we know life changes. Just keep working on it. Keep track of them. Funny story about my partner, John. He likes to write in like little journals and he's been cleaning out his parents' house a few years ago and he's always finding his old journals. And when he looks in his old journals, he still has the same stuff written in every journal. I think it's pretty funny. He has a vision in his mind of where he wants you know, his business and things to go. And that vision hasn't changed. He just hasn't gotten to it yet. So here's a perfect example. Like he's got this big goal out there and you know he hasn't achieved it. Doesn't mean he hasn't made incremental improvements in the business or personally, professionally. So just keep working at it. I'm going to circle back here. Obviously, the last few years with COVID and everything, we have... Unfortunately, folks that have passed away and people getting sick 
The reason why I bring this up is in the planning process, and I really wanted to talk about this since the beginning of the year, one of the most important things in a plan is what we call your protection component. And we look at that as a foundation of the plan. I'll explain a little bit more and you'll, you'll get where I'm going. The protection component is stuff like the simple ones are life insurance and disability insurance, but there's also property and casualty insurance, which is your auto insurance and your homeowner's insurance. Do you have an umbrella policy with your property and casualty? And some people are like, I don't even know what an umbrella policy is. Umbrella policy is just a liability policy above and beyond what you have on your auto policy and your homeowners, and it covers both of them. And so from a, a creditor proofing standpoint, really important in a plan, right? And there's other things like wills and living wills and trusts and talking about your social security, stuff like that. That's all part of your protection component. So when everything happened with COVID, in my world, I started thinking about I think people will kind of connect a little bit more when we start talking about insurances and stuff, because let's be honest, some folks that you sit down with and we start talking about insurance right away, there's a negative connotation to insurance. What I'm talking about is life insurance or even disability insurance, right? And I can tell you from a plan perspective, they are the planned killers, meaning if these things happen to you, no, no pun using the word you know, planned killer, but if these things happen to you, a lot of times when I look at the forecast for the plan and I bottle it out and I stress test the plan and we unfortunately have to show if a spouse isn't with us anymore, somebody becomes disabled and they can't work anymore, what happens to your plan? Obviously, the income can potentially stop in multiple ways. It's that simple. This is not rocket science what I'm talking about here. It's about a disruption to the plan. I can tell you story after story after story. I don't want to bore you too much or make this too long. But literally, I just had something happen. A friend of mine talking on a Friday afternoon with the person. And that night, they had a health issue that has changed their life and their family's life forever. When we talk about this and we bring it up in meetings, I think a lot of the thought process is, well, that's not going to happen to me. And when it comes to disability insurance, the potential of being disabled, one out of four people, that's 25%. And when it does happen to you and you're not prepared for it, it's devastating. I've seen it where I've modeled it and more times, you know, I'd say 80% of the time, most of the families are left after five years are left with a home and there's nothing else happening. And that's scary. Nobody wants to be in that position. I don't want my clients to be in that position. So again, going back to COVID and there were people sick and unfortunate people that passed away, I thought the mindset might change a little bit. I thought my people might understand this a little bit better because it's everywhere, right? It's, it's all around us and we all know somebody and et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think it really has. Maybe I was expecting too much. Most of the time when I work with my clients, I don't get a lot of pushback because I guess maybe I explain it well, or maybe I just get lucky. Who knows? I like to kind of position it this way. I like to say, let's get away from the word insurance because some people have the negative connotation because whatever marketing's out there, again, remember, we were always talking about rules of the financial institution. So, of course, you know, the investment world doesn't like insurance and insurance world probably doesn't like investments that much and yada, yada, yada. So what I try to say is let's get away from that term insurance. Let's just say I'll use myself. I'm married. I have three kids. And if something were to happen to me yesterday, I need a sum of money that comes into my plan to make sure my plan goes according to what we've mapped out. It's a dollar amount. The only thing 
that provides that instant amount of cash funds is an insurance product. That's just the way it is. It's what it's built for. It's a catastrophic tool, right? If the catastrophe happens, this thing is built for that. Without getting, again, we can probably do a whole another 20 minutes and maybe we'll next time about what the type of insurance is. Is it a pure cost? And listen, God willing, I never, you know, I live to my mortality and nothing happens to me and I don't have to use that insurance product to facilitate this problem. But there's other types of products and how do I fit that into my plan? And that's a bigger conversation and understanding the uses of it and how it helps you in the plan in multiple ways when done correctly, that story has not been really told very well unless you're working with a really high-level professional because they're always trying to sell you something. The industry is so transactional that you get in front of somebody and they're trying to get you to do something, but they're not truly explaining to you what the pluses and minuses are with, with this. And there's a pro and con. You'll hear me say that a thousand times. There's a pro and con with everything. And disability insurance is probably underutilized. And me being in this profession, I always thought on the disability side that it was a physical ailment that would most likely, in my mind, that would take me down, you know, a bad back, a, a knee, something. And maybe I'm, it's going to be harder for me to work. Maybe if you're in, more, in a job that has more physical labor, that may be true, right? Me, I'm sitting at a desk, you know, most of the time. So, But what I found through statistics, through the insurance companies is that as you know, we're getting older, it's that health issue that comes up that's unexpected. And that's what takes you down from a disability side. And to me, what is the nature of that health issue? How enormous or you know, how devastating it can be? We don't know that. These are all the variables we don't know. I sit there and talk about my clients and, you know, and I know, it, you, know you sit there, what happens if you get into a car accident Maybe the husband was driving and he passes away from the accident and maybe you're not covered for, for whatever reason. I've had the wife or the significant other say to me, I'll go back into the workforce, I'll do this, I'll do that. And I'm like, what happened to you in the car crash? Did you become disabled because of that car crash, right? And then there's a whole bunch of other things that potentially happen in that scenario that I'm we don't need to get into the weeds on, but you, you follow what I'm thinking. I always kind of have to look at this at the worst case scenario because everybody doesn't look to, at it that way. They always kind of like, well, maybe they're more you know optimistic about things and don't look at the negatives that could happen. I mean, I was talking about umbrella insurance with a client of mine down in Florida, and I tend to tell stories. People relate to the stories. And she called me one day and said, I'm really mad at you. And I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> and she said... My husband was out, he was out with some guys, and maybe he shouldn't have been driving, and all I could think about was the story you're telling me about why you should have umbrella insurance, and I kind of gave a similar story, and God forbid something bad happened while he was driving home. She goes, that's all we had to my mind. And I said, well, sorry that I made you feel bad, but these are the things that you got to worry about because these are the things that happen in life. As I said, going back, I thought during COVID that people would kind of be more sensitive to this, especially, you know, people maybe that got very sick and thankfully got better. And I think I got one phone call about, you know, I think that changed somebody's mind. But here's the thing. When things like this happen to you and now your health has been compromised, it's hard to go back and reset and go, oh, I want to get the coverage now because now you're technically maybe 
potentially compromised. I've had people, maybe they had cancer and beat the cancer, but now guess what? That insurance company knows you're a much higher risk, unfortunately. It's part of your overall financial plan is really important. And how do we keep the cost down? How do we get the most benefit for our dollar? That's the key to this. And when I make a decision there in my plan, and I decide to get whatever type of insurance policy it is, how does that coordinate and integrate with the rest of my plan? And there's layers upon layers of decisions that have to be made. And what ends up happening from my experience and seeing what folks do is they stay in the micro. All of a sudden, they need insurance. They go see an insurance person and, and they get an insurance policy, but there was no coordination with the rest of their plan. And that's a mistake. The positive is they got coverage. The negative is what was the type of coverage? How was it funded? Does it offer any of the benefits and stuff from the rest of my plan? How does it look? We go back to the strategy. Insurance is insurance. How does this align with my overall strategy and my plan? When I was talking about something catastrophic happens, I get sick, God forbid I pass away. I either need money coming in or a lump sum of money. And like I said, I'm married, three kids. All I want them to do is stay in the same lifestyle. I don't need them to get better. I don't need them to get worse. If we had plans to send three kids to college, I want them to go to college. I want them to stay in the same house. I want their lives to be unaffected. I know they're going to miss me dearly. I know it, but they'll get over it. As long as I don't put them into the poorhouse at the same time, maybe they'll really remember me well <laughs> if I set it up the right way. So folks can't fathom the, the mount. I've had a couple stories for you. A new client was taking delivery on a life insurance policy. He said, would you mind reviewing this? I said, absolutely not. Let me, you know, let me look at it. Sure. I saw some documentation from the people he was using, and it was just littered with variables and their assumptions. And I said, okay, how did you come up with the dollar amount for the death benefit? Death benefit is how much you get if you had to put a claim in for the policy. And he said, it sounded like a good number. He's a pretty sophisticated person. He's a smart guy. I looked at him. I said, well... Let me show you what happens. And I showed him and said, it's just like I said to you before, after about five years, his wife and two girls were left with, you know, a house. And I said, is that what the, your intent was when you went to go do this? He said, absolutely not. I said, so did you try to cover a risk and did you basically buy the policy to lessen the risk? And he said, well, apparently I'm not doing that. I said, you're exactly right. So let's talk about the number. And that's why the planning, when I was talking about micro versus macro, you know, how does this from the macro picture, right? And, and how does that flow in? I remember, funny story with my wife, when we first got married, we went and got life insurance. And um, I think I got a half a million dollars on myself. And I was making significantly more money than my wife. So we got 100000 on her. And we walked out of the insurance agent's office. I wasn't working this part of the business at the time. And I saw her face and I said, uh-oh, what do I do now? I said, what's wrong? She said, why so little on me? And I explained to her, I said, well, I'm making a significantly amount of more money. That's, we have to cover the incomes. Okay. So, and I explained that to her and she, and she said, okay. So then we had our first kid and I went back to the, the insurance agent and, um, and I got more coverage and I got a whole bunch more on me. And I think I got her up to about half a million dollars. And we walked out of the life insurance office again and I saw that face again. I went, uh oh, what now? And she said, why so much on me? <laughs> Moral of the story is I'm never going to be right. The second part of the story is, again, I looked at her. I said, 
there was a big number on me and I said, well, listen, you know, listen, if I pass, you're going to be fine. Everything's going to work out. But it looks like a lot of money. It looks like, you know, I've had that conversation with clients like they think they're going to leave the other spouse, basically the millionaire's club. And I'm like, well, it may be in millions in dollars, but depending on the time frame of how old you are and retirement, and everything else, it doesn't add up to a lot. So with that said, I think it's really, really important starting out the year here that if you haven't looked at your protection plan, and you should. Don't get tainted by the negativity of it. Of course, nobody likes talking about death or disability. I'm going to keep saying it's, it's the plan killer. That These two are the plan killers. One of my favorite sayings is the reason why I'm looking at this first a lot of times when I look at a plan is because I need this done yesterday. These events could happen at any time. And if I wait six months and a year and it happens to you, I did you a disservice. You should know what the risk is. And then you make the decision on whether you want to not have that risk in your life. And most people, when they understand it and have an integrated plan, get it and understand it. I have clients basically say to me, I feel so much better now because when I put my head on the pillow at night, I know I'm covered. I know the family is taken care of. That brings a lot of comfort to a lot of people. And again, bring it back to COVID. This was staring us in the face. It still kind of is, right? It's not going anywhere. So if you haven't done an assessment on your protection plan, take a look at it, understand it. A lot of people have company benefits and have disability insurance through group plans. And there's pluses and minuses with that. Is the coverage enough? Sometimes the coverage has limitations to it. It's maybe not fully covering what your income was, right? And that's the key to it. If I become sick, I'm still here on earth, but my income stream potentially stops. How do I now get that covered? Think about it. There's a really good chapter in our book, It's Your Wealth, Keep It. It talks about all this. You can always go to our website, request one. Just please, I've seen it. Men in their 50s, I'll leave it on this. It's called Heart Attack Alley. I'm 57, if you didn't know. The gentleman I talked about earlier in the podcast was 56. Everybody knows somebody. And it's for whatever reason, men have this 10-year window from 50 to 60 that they have to get through because then they have a greater chance of living longer. And I've seen it with men that are super healthy, men that are unhealthy. Sometimes a lot of it's hereditary. We just got to get to our 50s. So just be cognizant of that. It's not pleasant to talk about. I'm trying to get my last three years in here, and hopefully I'm in a better spot. <laughs> but I know my plan is covered, too. I've got my plan in order, and if it's my time, it's my time, unfortunately. So with that, I'm going to introduce a term, because obviously some of you, if you've heard the intro and kind of been on a few of these, know that I'm a dirt bike enthusiast. And there is a term called WFO in the motocross world. And that stands for wide blank open. Okay. We're going to go WFO the rest of the year with these podcasts. I want to really get into some interesting talks. I want to get you thinking. So 2022 is the year of WFO. As always, it's your plan. It's your time. It's on your terms. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I look forward to talking to you next time. Have a great day. Want to find out how you can jump the wealth curve? Connect with Ed now at smallwoodwealth.com. Jump.
Jumping the Wealth Curve is brought to you by Edward Bow, an investment advisor representative of Smallwood Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone, and the information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives, and it's not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action, as information and or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Smallwood Wealth Management provides content that is true and accurate as of the date of publishing. However, we give no assurance or warranty regarding the accuracy, timeliness, or applicability of any of the contents. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this website or podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, including, but not limited to, any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, misleading, or defamatory statements.